Welcome to Soul Path Parenting, the podcast that explores how we set our kids up to live their best lives from the start, and how we stay conscious, inspired, and sane while we do it. I'm your host, Amy Breeze Cooper. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for episode two. Today's show is about intuition. I believe intuition is one of the most important things for living a fulfilling life because it's really our window into our soul's desires. We're born with it as kids, and yet with so many voices from parents, society, teachers, etc., many of us stop listening to our inner voice. So today we'll be talking with someone who has intuition as her superpower. Willow Bradner is a psychic, a business medium, and a mom. She'll be sharing with us her insights on how we find our intuition and how we cultivate it in our kids. We'll also talk with her and get her perspective on finding your life's purpose. So I have a giant F you guys to the whole like soul life purpose being a big deal. Oh my gosh, isn't that refreshing? You'll definitely want to hear her indispensable wisdom about how you figure it out. Plus, Willow will share her fantastic tip for people who struggle to sit and meditate, like me, maybe like you, a definition of self-care that will inspire you, and her surprising solution to get that thing that we all want more of, time. Willow calls herself the accidental psychic, which is a great story that she'll share with you at the start of the interview. She trained with nationally known intuitives like James von Prague and Sonia Choquette after she found out she had this gift. But rather than becoming, as she calls it, dial-up for the dead, she chose to use her gifts in a little bit of a different way. Because in addition to being able to channel those who have crossed over, she also sees the potential and purpose and possibilities in people. So after years of really feeling devastated at how people, how few people are truly willing to push aside the fear and go for the things that they want. She launched a program called the Clarity Cure that trains people to activate their own intuition and navigate around self-doubt so they can have the business and life of their dreams. In addition to working as a medium, she also continues with her hairstyling business and is a wife and mom to seven-year-old daughter, Zoe. So let's jump in with Willow Bradner. So you call yourself the accidental psychic, which I think is such a a fascinating name and kind of entry to your story. Um, How did you come upon your psychic abilities? Can you share that? Yeah, the long and short of it was um, I was a longtime hairdresser. I was 13 years approximately at the time that I realized it. Um, I had what I would consider to be like lines around the block. I had a wait list that was about a month long. And at the time, I really thought I was just really great at hair and awesome at advice because not only were they strapped around the salon trying to get in to see me, they were also showing up literally on my doorstep, on the weekends, calling me, texting me, asking me questions and what I thought about things. And, um, the, the narcissist in me laughs a little bit at that because it's like, (laughs) I really thought I was just so bright. And it wasn't until my (laughs) wedding night that, um, those on the other side 
sort of crossed over. So after copious amounts of alcohol had been consumed, my parents and I and my new husband were all hanging out in our backyard when my body took like a visible shift as did my voice. And it was my dad that looked up at me and he said, um, oh my God, I, I think you're channeling my father. And as if that were permission enough, my husband's late mother, who I had never met, also came in at that very moment. And my poor sweet husband, who I'd been married to for three minutes, talk about bait and switch, stood up and was like, I did not sign up for a girl who speaks to dead people. <laughs> and he like full on peaced out. And I appreciated and respected that very much. I mean, I, I, I could not have expected his reaction nor my own. But naturally, we woke up the next morning, all of us, just in a little bit of doubt, honestly. Like, did that really happen? Was that just alcohol talking? But after that, anybody that I went to hang out with, if I told them this story, their loved ones would show up as well. So at an eventual point, I realized and recognized for myself that I needed to get trained. I needed to understand this quality. I needed to understand what it meant to be psychic, intuitive, and to really serve serve with intentionality, albeit it was accidental when it showed up. It's now with, with a lot of training and intentionality with it. Right. Right. I love it. So, um, how does it, what's it like being a psychic mom? How do you, it, it it's funny because thinking about being a kid, it could be like the kid's worst nightmare. <laughs> The mom would be psychic and know stuff, but I mean the other dimensions of psychic momhood. Well, you know, here's the thing about psychic that I think is really intriguing. I'm great at other people, but I'm emotionally attuned to my own family, and so much so that I probably am the worst psychic for my kid. It's like I once one of my clients was a pediatrician, and I loved talking to her because I was like, well. So your kid has an ear infection. What did you do? And she's like, oh no, I I don't treat my own child. Like she said, as soon as my child has a cough, a cold, a sniffle, anything, she said, I just go red and I can't see and I can't think and I can't be a pediatrician. And I so relate to that statement as an intuitive as well. Now that said, I can, this is, do you want a good psychic mom story? Yeah. So we got a, um, uh, Airbnb up in, um, uh, up at one of the hot springs and we move into this Airbnb. It was beautiful online. It's in this weird building ish thing. It's an ish thing. So we're clear guys, this is not a conformed building that makes any sense. We're at the top of it. It looks weird. We move into this place. We're hot spring. We're having a great time. It's Thanksgiving. But every night that Zoe goes to bed, she's like, uh, uh, go away, leave me alone in her sleep. And this is abnormal. My kid, when she goes to sleep, she's out. You could literally like have an earthquake and the kid would not wake up. So I start thinking, oh my gosh, we have a ghost in the house. This is real. It's happening. So I intuit and I like move in and I'm like asking the ghost to leave her alone and I'm visualizing and I can see her very clearly. And the next night, Zoe does it again. And then I'm like, okay, I got to go get a smudge stick and I've got to go clear the house. I've got to get all woo about it. So I sneak the smudge stick in. I don't tell my family. I just, like my parents are there. My husband's there. I don't tell anybody. I go smudge the whole house. And that night, Zoe sleeps great. There's no ghost, right? We get home the next day and my husband says to me, 
man, I didn't sleep at all last night. And I said, really, why? <laughs> and he goes, well, I woke up at like 1 a.m. and there was like this aberration above me. And, and I said, was it a woman? And he goes, yeah. And I said, did she have really long hair? And he goes, yeah. And I said, was she wearing a nightgown? And he goes, well, I don't know. I closed my eyes and told her to go away. <laughs> <laughs> so that's psychic momming right there. <laughs> so you relocated her. I relocated her apparently to my husband by accident. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so does your daughter, I guess there's sort of two parts to this yeah. question. Does your daughter have psychic abilities? Totally. Yeah. Okay. Early on, she, she was at preschool and she was having trouble with this little boy on the playground and I put her in the car and I buckled her in and I'm having this conversation with myself about like, um, she probably has like a little crush on this kid. He's pretty cute. And I wouldn't be surprised if actually she really likes him. And she says to me from the back seat, mom, I don't have a crush on him. He's actually really mean. <laughs> and I was like, it's happening. <laughs> and so one of my questions, sort of part two to that is how do you encourage, and for those of us who may not have psychic gifts, but believe that all children are gifted with intuition, like especially when they first come in. How do you encourage intuition in children? So kids are always showing signs and mostly in the empathic experience for children. So they are, the majority are what we call today highly sensitive. And what we have to do and and not to shut on anybody, but something that we need to start doing is allowing them to have their emotions. Their emotions are actually their compass. It's their barometer for the energy that they're intaking every day. So when your kid is lashing out and fighting against and really resisting something, it's time to not just go, you need to put your shoes on. It's rather time to slow down and say, what is happening here? What is the resistance here? And really speak to them like an adult ultimately, but start asking feeling questions. Why does this feel hard? Why do you feel rushed? Because their feelings are their barometer. So they're crying really loud or they're yelling or they're punching or they're, they're taking action in some item or they're curled up and they're quiet and they don't want to leave the house and they don't want to do certain things. Their bodies are telling you exactly what's happening in their world. They're going to show you their version of overwhelm and it's going to be repetitive. That's the beauty of kids is that they're very repetitive in their emotional wherewithal. So some kids are the ones that are like, out there like tearing apart the world and the other kids are really, you know, quiet and in a corner and like not wanting to leave that space. So they're very clear about the way that their barometer shows off. So to foster that intuition in each of them is to trust that their barometer, their emotional wherewithal is actually giving you information about not just what's happening in their world, but as well how they're interpreting the world. Great. That's great advice. Um, you talk about intuition, and I saw in your masterclass that you made a distinction between intuition and ego. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really 
um, powerful. One of the quotes I pulled out of what you said is that what's happened over time is we've replaced our intuition with ego. And in order to live our best lives, which frankly is what this program is about, how do we set our kids up to live their best lives and how do we do it at this, you know, kind of as we go as well as parents, um, in order to live our best lives, we actually want the intuition to be there. So can you say more for our listeners to learn around, learn about that concept? So our ego is a few things. It's a, it's a it's a necessary tool. So I don't want anybody to think that we have to do away with this this thing that lives inside of us. But the ego's aspect predominantly and primarily is to keep you safe. And so what happens is throughout childhood it becomes iterated that you are likely not safe and that within the constructs of fear, doubt, shame, um sabotage, we, we essentially create the box that we live in. And so you might notice that you hit walls and that you have these patterns. Those are all ego-based. If you're somebody, as I always like to say, somebody who likes to write a checklist and you need to have a list of all the things that you need to get done every day and you don't feel satisfied until it's done, you're really living from an operating system of ego. Intuition being the differential there. Intuition is spontaneous and it's quiet And it is really a bit magical when you're going to most notice in your day-to-day life, your intuition is right first thing when you wake up in the morning and you get in the shower before the kids start screaming, before the ego has to kick in into fight or flight and safety and getting stuff done. The intuition is in the spaces. It's in the times that you're not expecting it in general day-to-day life. One of my favorites is when you're on a commute and you maybe disappeared yourself and you show up wherever it is that you're trying to go, somewhere in there, your intuition showed up. You maybe had an aha or a thought or a, I wish I would have, but you'll have this really soft landing or this moment where everything sort of comes into focus. And then as soon as you land, it might disappear and you might wonder where it went. It's sort of like a dream in the middle of the night. Sometimes you remember, sometimes you don't. But if you can catch those ahas in those moments and hang on to them, then you start to build the muscle of intuition and start to really trust that. I love it. It occurs to me, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is about self-care because I think a lot of times, especially moms, don't give themselves permission. And you talk about intuition showing up in the quiet moments and in the morning. And it seems to me that it would be an important part of even just your ability to do your job. So as inspiration for the rest of us, can you share a little bit about your own self-care? Yeah, so I, um, because I see a lot of people energetically, I have a regimen of a hot bath at least daily. Um, and sorry, ladies, it's not with a glass of wine. I actually just <laughs> talked about Sometimes I'll invite a cup of tea or a magazine in with it, but just the hot bath alone is really frankly enough for me. Um, I often go for a walk and anywhere. Sometimes if I have just 15 minutes, I'll do that upwards of an hour, but that's my highest level of meditation actually is when I'm walking. Um, and I can sit in silence and do meditation, but my energetic body is not one that sits still well and less guided to, unless sort of there's other people energetically in the space. So I also want to just add that like self-care can look any way that it feels right to you. Um, and that goes to that intuition and trusting your body and yourself and how you source energy. And that's really the essence of self-care is how you source 
energy. So that's what you're looking at in self-care. It's, it doesn't have to be the manufactured version of female care that we're being sold and shoved down our throats. It could be that you go play soccer with a bunch of people. It could be that you go to yoga class. It could be that you are a shopper and you love to just go to a store and get lost. Whatever sources energy for you is considered self-care. I love it. Could you say, could you share more about your walking meditation? I've been struggling with trying to do silent seated meditation. I'm much more of a move type of person. That's really intriguing as a practice. So what would that look like if, if I or other listeners wanted to step into that? Um, so I literally and legitimately just walk guys. (laughs) Awesome. Old school. Like, I don't think I could mess that up for a walk. That's it. The thing is, is like, we're so accustomed to like, if we're walking, we're exercising. If we're outside, we have to be doing something. I mean, our lives are all about doing. And I think that the reason and the purpose for the quote unquote meditation, the sitting pillows, palm top, pillow top palms up is that we're meant to be in a version of silence or in a version of stillness or in a version of calmness. So if you take that same intentionality and you go for a walk, then you're breathing because you have to, regardless. Um, you have the sound of the click, 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 click of your shoes to sort of help guide you in tempo. And then if you actually are observing and you're noticing the trees and the air and the smells and the sounds that are all around you, you're you're going to be very present, which is the thing about meditation that nobody really speaks to is like the presence of it. We speak a lot about sort of disappearing ourselves in meditation, but the truth is, is like the more present you are, the more energetic you become, the more grounded you become. So you can source a lot more energy that way. I love it. That's, I'm going to try that next. (laughs) Let me know how it goes. (laughs) I will. I used to accidentally meditate when I would run on the treadmill years ago I would run every day at lunch because I lived in Spain and we had a two-hour lunch and that for me as an American go 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 do 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 seemed like an insane amount of time that I had to fill with doing and yet I sort of fell into this accidental meditation practice of getting on the treadmill and staring at this one place on my kind of throat and jogging And just sort of losing track of myself. And I loved it. And I think that that's the difference between being a parent and not being a parent, at least from my perspective, is like when I wasn't a parent and I wasn't married, I would wake up and I would stare at my ceiling. And sometimes an hour would go by because I had nowhere to go on the weekend, you know? And I would stare at the ceiling. Remember that? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Like what I would get to stare at a ceiling, right? But that was like unwarranted meditation. It was like without intention. And why do we feel like, again, it's like we're in this world of do, do, do. Why do we always feel like we have to put one more thing on the list? What if self-care is nothing at all? Right. (laughs) Self-care is, is binge watching Jack Ryan this week. I don't care what you do as long as it gives you energy. I love it. Yeah. Um, Another thing that I listened to in your masterclass, you talked about two doors and how intuition will always show you the possibilities, Yeah, but sometimes it will give you kind of more than one path mm-hmm. uh, so that you can start moving forward. I loved that idea. I really hadn't heard it before. Could you share that? Yeah, it's funny. I actually um, spoke earlier today because to me, it's become three doors. 
<laughs> the doors keep opening, guys. Here's the thing is that life is a choose your own ending novel. And so the way that I personally do psychic readings, even for people, is that my psychic seems to always see the third door. Meaning that if you want to remain in victimhood and you're not willing to start taking responsibility for your life and your actions, I am not the psychic for you. And that's a choice, by the way. If your life isn't feeling great, that is a choice that you're making. And I hate to be so crass about that, but that is door number one, peeps. Door number two is when you begin to open up the possibilities and really start taking responsibility for your life, your actions, um, the sort of energy that you're entertaining, meaning food, diet, exercise, job, career, uh, the way you speak to yourself and other people. Linguistics is a massive amount of energy that we use. And door number two for me is really the re-sculpting of your linguistic language that you speak to yourself and other people. So that responsibility piece. Door number three is why you're here. Door number three is the reason you came to earth. And we get locked, stuck trapped in one and two because we hit the proverbial joy glass ceiling like we are only allowed in our ego's belief system to be so happy to be so bold to be so bright to be so big door number three is full on you at your highest self you in your full spirit and your full authentic soul three is why we are here on earth. I love it. And it brings up another question for me, which is that as I think about raising my four kids, it's really with that intention in mind of having them get the start to their lives that will enable them to step into their full authentic selves. What do you think parents can do to help create that? foundation. The best way, mom, dad, whoever's listening, the best way to foster uh, this belief system in your children is to live it yourself. I can't stress that enough. Living beyond your fear, your doubt, your comparison is going to foster that in your kids. They are witnessing us every day. They're witnessing our language. They're witnessing our mindset. They're witnessing the culture in a home. We talk a lot about culture in corporate right now, in America right now. Culture is the word on the tip of everyone's tongue. So I ask each of you to consider what the culture is in your home, in your mindset, in the language that you use, and how you are treating yourself and how you are respecting yourself because that is what your children are learning. I love that, right? I mean, the, the, the biggest thing they take away is our example, not, not what we say, but what we do. Yeah. I mean, you cannot teach. You must do in this instance. Right. Um, it actually brings up for me a question that I had, which maybe the answer to this is no, but do you teach your daughter to use her intuition? Yeah in like a really clear cut way? Yeah. How does that look? Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting right now at seven years old, and this is something that intuitively just sort of showed up to me because, um, 
Around six, I noticed that her personality was shifting. And by personality shifting, I mean, she's the same human. It's just suddenly her emotional, her, her emotions were way strung out. And, um, and she's been really struggling to manage all the pieces of her life. And I think one being highly sensitive and intuitive, she's feeling everybody's emotions at school. So it's really important and impactful for her to understand what is hers, what is theirs. We're learning boundaries. But also what happens, and I want to say this to every woman who's listening, when we have our period, and I'm bringing this to us because I want you guys to understand how this works in your body. When we have our period, when we have cramping, when we have headaches, when our bodies feel really low in energy, when we have a constant and consistent pain in our body, what does that do to our emotions? How do our hormones even react in the zone? We cry a little bit more, we're more irritable, we're exhausted, we're tired. Everything is a little bit achy and hard to really bear. So I want you to consider your children, if you're raising kids right now from 5 to about uh, 12 to 13, I mean, because then we're getting into the hormones there too, but consider how many teeth they're losing and growing at the same time. And this is all in your third eye and crown chakra, so this is all your head. So your head, where you make rational decisions, is losing and growing teeth at this age. Between really the ages of 5 and 13 is like massive growth right there. As well, your body is energetically growing. And so if you're just looking at the construct from just a physicality sense, the poor little kids are trying to figure out their emotions. They're trying to learn all this heavy-duty math and learning that we have them doing these days and trying to be themselves, and crying constantly. So trying to teach your intuition, and that is learning how to teach each piece of those puzzles. What hurts, what is feeling, what is overwhelm, what is frustration, what is, and being able to name and claim each of those different emotions is going to help attune your kids to their intuition and trust themselves without you saying, get it together, stop crying. You need to pull it, you know, like that's what we do. Pull it together, put your shoes on. But if you can see it from the perspective of all the things that they're really working through and then name and claim them each individually and make the kids decide which one they're being affected by is going to help them intuitively. Right. So helping them to distinguish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Switching gears a little bit, another thing that you talked about in your masterclass has to do with time. And you talked about with intuition, there's always enough time. Mm-hmm. which, and you said, and, you know, with staying in the now, yeah. which I think is a really kind of both thought provoking and kind of confronting idea for a mom <laughs> or a dad, where a lot of the feeling of parenthood is there's just not enough time. Mm-hmm. So I love this idea of relating to time intuitively. And I'm wondering if you could sort of shine a light on that. So people could see something there for themselves. We think of time as linear. We think of time as time on a clock ticking away, ticking by. And if you're to just think about, you know, getting everybody to school, to soccer, to work, to doing all these things on a daily basis, it does feel like time is a constraint, but time is really energy in that sense. There's not enough energy sometimes to get you through the day. 
where we run into really time constraints is that we don't think there's time to accomplish the things we want. So that's the differential is that there is an expanse of time to create what you want. And that's the differential there is that what you want always has time to be created. Now, it may not be done in the vacuum of time that your ego allows. It might have to happen in the wee hours of the night, or it might end up showing up um, randomly 5, 10, 15 years down the line. But the time that it's going to take to give you what you want is there. It feels like there still might be listeners sort of thinking like, yeah, well, but how do I change the way I relate to time in my life Mm -hmm. so that, because it does feel scarce, right? And I think there's like this context of scarcity versus abundance that might also be helpful. Yeah. So what would you say to sort of clarify that? It goes back to one of your original questions. What are you doing for self-care? Yeah. Meaning, what are you doing to source energy for yourself? One. Number two is, are you really taking time in gratitude for the little things that are happening in your life? Now, gratitude, I think, is an overused term at this point in time and or underutilized. So you can have your little gratitude journal sitting by your bed and write it out. But if you're not actually taking the time to ingest that gratitude that that you're experiencing, like really noticing, like, wow, all the kids got their shoes on today. I'm actually really freaking grateful for that. If you can take the time to really energetically um, experience that, you're going to energize and create more time because you're not going to feel rushed. You're not going to feel like you have to get through this. That's the differential in time. Mm -hmm. Having to get through it and enjoying it. When we enjoy something, time goes really nicely. When we have to get through something, it feels like we're punching through energy. So the more you can tune yourself to the gratitude and the more you can take care of yourself, the less you're going to feel like you're losing time. It feels like there's also an element of, am I sort of in the flow and living on purpose or am I living in resistance because I'm actually kind of choosing door number one. (laughs) So for someone that might be intrigued by your earlier idea or notion of like door number one, two, and three, and there's a big conversation out there about living into your soul's purpose, which feels so daunting, I think, to some people. Like this big thing, like I'm supposed to get the answer somehow. What it, what, what, kind of thoughts or guidance would you have for people asking that question? Like, Hey, I'd love to walk through door number three. I have no idea what that looks like. Um, so I have a giant F you guys to the whole like soul life purpose being a big deal. I have met some of my most soulful brothers and sisters who are top ramen, diet Coke, CSI watch and peeps. And the difference between them and me in a lot of ways is like, I am in constant pursuit of figuring stuff out. That's a choice that I've made. It's not that I'm not, it's my door number three is that pursuit. The constant hunt and pursuit is door number three. For me, it energetically fits me. Somebody else 
my top ramen diet coke csi watching peeps that love it that want for nothing are living their best life and that is their door number three it does not need to be daunting there is not some golden you know award there's not an olympic gold medal for the people who figure this thing out rather the door number three is actually surrender and find a joy and happiness in exactly where you are and what you're doing and again, for some of us, that is energetically the, a different match, right? Like my match for door number three is as long as I'm learning and curious, I am so happy and living my best life. And the day that I am not curious and living this way, then I'm in door number one again. I does love it. Help? And so it does. And also one of the things you're pointing to, which I really relate to because I am a very curious person which is why I'm sitting on this side of the microphone right. asking questions, <laughs> is what back to what gives you energy. Like right. I get all lit up by having conversations that are interesting and sharing new ideas with the world. And so it's sort of you can look at the small ways for the, the things that light you up energetically. Well, and I want to be clear, like the resistance aspect of us, the piece of us that's scared If you're, if you don't know what the big thing is, you don't have to have a big thing, but what one of the clues is, is what are you afraid of? What keeps showing up in your pattern of fear? What do you keep avoiding? What are you hiding from? That's on the other side of that is door number three, just so we're clear. I love it. Yeah. For me, it would be, um, recording a podcast right? Welcome to door number three. <laughs> this is episode two and I'm stepping into what's on the other side of door number three yeah. um awesome I just have a few more questions for you one of them is do you believe at a soul level children choose their parents how does that work I vacillate on this one <laughs> um I loved this notion that there are kids that are early zygote. So there are some kids that arrive, uh, they're unwilling to wait for the right, their, their chosen ones. So they get, so their soul gets so excited that they like literally jump through time. And then sometimes they end up in the, I don't want to say the wrong family, but the family that's not quite a fit. We call this the black sheep, right? That's our current terminology for people who don't fit in. Um, so I do believe occasionally we as souls get it wrong. We as souls get too excited or we as souls get called to earth to like, because we want to be here so badly right now. Like we're so excited about this future. So we show up and that can change the trajectory of what our soul was going to do. Um, I do think that a lot of times we do choose our family and I do believe in the soul pod. I do believe that we incarnate or reincarnate with a lot of similar souls. Um, and I think that there's, that's part of the trigger point. We, we always seem to think that soulmate means love and bondiness, but soulmate is often triggering and challenging because that's part of the lesson we're here to learn. I love it. Um, do our kids come in with some type of plan or do all souls come in with some type of plan? Can you talk about that? Yeah. You know, the best way that I like to analogize this, just to put it in like an, a visual idea and complexity is that if you've ever met twins, 
They were born virtually at the same time, under the same astrology, under the same everything, same parents, same blood, same all the things. And if you've ever met twins, they could not be more different. I have two twin clients whom I love, but those girls are completely opposite personalities. And really, even some of the stories that they have about their childhood, even though they were on the same day in the same place, are completely different. So our interpretation of the truth is actually our attunement to the lessons we're meant to learn, if that makes sense. So yeah, I had that thought. I met a dad with identical twin girls at the park a couple of months ago. And he said, their personalities are so different. And it got me thinking, well, gosh, okay, genetically, they're the same. But they were born at different minutes. And then they have different souls. Yeah. And they have different soul mission. Yeah. I mean, I always laugh that like my sister and I, we always say if we were to meet at a party, we would both be looking across the room at other people to talk to. We are not meant to be necessarily besties in this life. Like uh, we have respect for each other. We have love for each other. We grew up in the same life, but she will tell you completely, in my opinion, bizarre stories of her childhood that in my mind never happened, but in her world very much happened because she was attuned to that specific volume of, of comprehension and understanding that that's what she embodied. My stories are equally whack, but they're my version. <laughs> Everyone has their truth, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's an, it's an interpretation. So for, right, everyone has their interpretation, I guess, better said. So for parents whose kids are kind of showing up on a path that's different from what the parents would have expected or hoped, or maybe they're even really attached to their child's, you know, kind of progression, what, what would you say? Drop the rope. This is not a game of tug of war. These children are not (laughs) Play-Doh. You're not here to sculpt them and mold them. If you are like all busy college tracking your second grader, drop the rope. Listen to your kiddo. Ask them what they like and what they want to be when they grow up. And I guarantee it's not what you have in mind. They're all going to end up in the right place if we let them. But those of us who stand in the way of their true belonging and their true reason for being here, when we get in their way, they're going to deviate. Let's just say that. When we get in their way they are going to deviate from a plan uh, for better or for worse. So it's best to drop the rope and and foster what it is that they're already showing signs to. Right. Just let it go and embrace what they're into. Yes. Um, One of the inspiration, one of the, the, one of the things that inspired me to start this podcast was Isla, my four-year-old asking me the question, mommy, what's going to happen to me when I die? Mm. She was three at the time, and I should have been ready. Well, should. I. It seemed clear in retrospect that this was going to come up because my stepdad at the time was very ill. Um, and I fumbled through my answer, but it inspired me to ask other people how they would answer that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so 
the answer that I always have for my daughter, because she does similarly, but she's always wondering when I'm going to die. So (laughs) yeah, that comes up too quite a bit. (laughs) So what I always like to say is like, we don't know. And so what we do know is right now, what we do know is right now in this moment, we get to love each other fiercely. We get to hold each other and really stare and gaze in each other's eyes and really commit to the love that we are in. We do not need to worry about tomorrow. We don't need to worry about where we're going. We don't need to worry about how or when we're going to die. What we do need to focus on is our commitment to the love that we have in this moment. Beautiful. I think that's a beautiful way to end this. Thank you. Thank you so much, Willow, for sharing yourself with us. My pleasure. Thank you for this having me. This was fantastic. I hope you all got as much out of that as I did. I wanted to end the show, as I mentioned in episode one, with an inspiration nugget pulled from the episode of something that you can apply in your life. I've come to realize that the things that have made the biggest difference in my life are when I have a new awareness and I take action around it. And so the thing that I'm actually the most intrigued by, or one of the things from what Willow said is, I love her definition of self-care. It's really how you source energy. And I love this idea that actually, so I'm always in this conversation of time and how do I get more time? That actually, if you're energized and grounded and present, time is more expansive. And so my uh, invitation to you this week is to if you, if you aren't already, to find one hour additional this week, make a request to someone in your life, your, your partner, a, a babysitter, a grandma, a neighbor swap uh, with a play date friend. So you take on kids and then they take on kids, whatever that might look like, and do something that feels like self-care, that feels like you're sourcing energy from it. And see how that affects the way time is showing up for you. Willow had a lot of great ideas. I love her really like open-minded kind of no BS approach about this. Like it does not need to look any certain way. If you want to go shop, if you want to go for a hike, if you want to do yoga or play soccer or whatever this might look like, just even going having going and having coffee with a, a a girlfriend or a guy friend, whatever this looks like for you, do this experiment. Take an hour for yourself this week and see how it might impact the way that the rest of the the time in your life is showing up. That's it for this episode. If you want to learn more about Willow and the Clarity Cure, check out our website. We're at soulpathparenting.com and you'll find links there. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and thank you so much for tuning in. Talk with you next week.